Yo, what's up? This is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and I just watched the opening night game. The Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, crapped all over your Golden State Warriors, and it was it was a thorough thorough beatdown. But but I will say it's not actually surprising. The Nets. They look good. That is the team that I want to win. Assuming that the Warriors will get nowhere near contention, I want the Nets to win the title. I don't want the Lakers. I don't want the Clippers. Uh, I guess maybe the Bucks. I have no antipathy for the Bucks. But these Nets, man, like, because I like KD and I like Nash. So I wouldn't mind it so much. In fact, I would love to see. Right now, a seven-game series between the Nets and the Lakers or the Nets and the Clippers. KD looks good. I'm super, super happy about that. I was really bummed out when he tore his Achilles in the finals. Not because it was the finals, but just, you know, torn Achilles is obviously the, the worst leg injury pretty much you can get as an NBA player. And... This bodes well for Clay, though, right? With KD coming back, looking pretty good. Again, they have different games. But if KD can come back and look this solid early on, then there's a very good chance Clay will look pretty good, too. So fingers crossed. So a couple things about this game. It's early in the season. The Warriors, they did not look well connected on defense or offense. But it's early in the season. They're a team that has not played much together, and they weren't in the bubble. And Steph hasn't played much since 2019. So there's a lot of rust and a lot of getting to know each other. You know, that that, that stuff was obvious, and they were not playing the Sacramento Kings tonight, right? Like, the Nets have two top-tier talents in KD and Kyrie, and they're a whole second unit. I'm pretty sure <laughs> there are a bunch of dudes who've played together for years. And and they pretty much have a starting unit as their second unit, right? They got Levert. They got Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. So that's a tough matchup. I mean, the biggest questions for me are like, who's going to score? You saw Steph struggle to get his shot off and to hit any of his layups. There wasn't as much space in the lane as he as he's used to. You know, like there's people packing the lane because you don't have to guard the outside shooters because the Warriors were not hitting anything from three-point land. Mulder came in towards the end of the game and hit a shot from outside and then hit a nice uh, reverse layup. And pretty sure you're going to have to see him play a lot more. I think Kerr said that he earned more playing time, but it's also the fact that there's some guys who played in front of him who didn't really show much. I felt like Jordan Poole didn't show much. Obviously, Wiggins had his problems. Pascal had his problems. Oubre was aggressive, but he wasn't hitting shots either. And Wiggins, man, like, I cannot imagine a more ridiculously bad opening night for him. All these questions, this reputation, and he just clanks every shot and tons of turnovers steps out of bounds just all these little mistakes and errors he he looked completely off his game like he had never played an nba game before 
I don't know his personality in the sense that if he does poorly under pressure or if for some reason he felt pressure, but it looked bad. I mean, you couldn't imagine, you couldn't even write anything more tragically comical. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to tell me before the game, yeah, Wiggins is just going to miss everything and he's going to make a ton of mistakes and he's going to look like he doesn't even belong in the NBA. I would have been like, man, that's, yeah, that would be a terrible scenario, but he pretty much did. That was kind of what it looked like, but everything will gravitate towards the mean, I assume, and he'll get closer to 20 points per game and he'll shoot his 33% from three-point land. And the ship will hopefully right itself, but the hope was always that he would be better than that. And right now you just want him to get to where he was before. Hopefully this is just an aberration. The coaches keep his confidence up and he keeps his own confidence up and he doesn't go to Twitter and doesn't read what people are writing about him. And somehow, some way, goes to Milwaukee and at least puts on a better showing. But that's the question, right? Since the preseason, like if Steph is the only person scoring and teams start really packing it in against him or doubling him, who else is going to score? If Wiggins can't do that, then you're kind of in a really, really tough spot. You're, you're in a bind. To be honest, like hopefully, I think that this is probably the worst the Warriors could look. I think they went up against one of the top five teams in the NBA, and they were pretty much just blown apart. I mean, the Nets bench, they actually remind me of the old Warriors bench where it was a bunch of starters who were basically the second unit when the Warriors had David Lee, Barbosa, Sean Livingston. Iguodala was probably on that bench unit at that point too. So like the bench unit was starters, you know what I mean? Uh, that's kind of what it reminds me of that when you take the first five guys out, you put the second five and they're just way better in general than the opposing team's second unit. But the one bright spot and the one thing I actually wanted to really watch this game for was seeing James Wiseman out there, his first real organized game in over a year, I think maybe 13 months. And I think he looked great. I thought he obviously looked like somebody who was raw, who doesn't yet know the system, the schemes, doesn't know his teammates that well yet in terms of playing with him on the court. He was out of position a lot on defense, which you hear out of some of the practices, but he's learning and he's willing and eager and able. There were a couple of times where you're like, wait, why isn't he protecting the paint? Why is he guarding DeAndre Jordan so so far from the basket? And he'll learn, you know, but he showed. He showed what he potentially could do. He's definitely a big dude. I'll be honest. I wasn't sure how he would look next to an NBA center, like a legit NBA center. And seeing him next to DeAndre Jordan, I was like, oh, wow. He is pretty much like as big as him. So that was pretty cool. But then you see that he's also really fast. He he runs hard. He's got a motor, goes up and down the court pretty quickly. And he has decent touch around the basket. And he hit a three-pointer and another jump shot. So his form looks pretty good. The one thing is he kind of has like a long windup and he seems to get pretty low. So like, I don't know if I'll have to learn how to make that shot a little bit quicker, but man, his, his stroke is good. His free throws, he, he missed half of them, I think. But again, his stroke looked good. And he, as a 19 year old, I'm pretty impressed. He just needs the reps, the tutelage, the time, 
the muscle memory, the regular memory, and he just needs to absorb. So personally, I can't wait to see him after 25, 35 games. I can't wait to see him after playing with Draymond for a, a, a chunk of the season because he'll naturally absorb some of that defensive acumen. I mean, James Wiseman, he showed that he has the potential to do a lot of things. And we talked about it in the last podcast, Vubang and I, and kind of jokingly, but kind of serious that Wiseman might be uh, the best center of our lifetimes uh, and maybe the best Warriors center since maybe Nate Thurmond. Because the Warriors have never been a center-oriented franchise for the past 30 years or so. So it's really not that much to ask. But when you think about it, that's that's crazy, right? Like this guy plays one game and you already see that that he has the tools to be very, very good. I mean, you see what some of the coaches have been seeing and what they've been saying and why. Because he moves fluidly. He does have like these skills. He just needs to hone them. And that's it, you know, and he'll be doing that during the season. Anyway, it's early. This is one game. They had three preseason games and barely, barely, barely any training camp. Yes, a lot of other teams have had to go through some of the same things, but the Warriors have had a very, very specific set of circumstances. So, yeah, like I'm not going to have a knee-jerk reaction to this. Are they going to be contending for uh, a title? No, you know, never thought that but they will be much better as the season goes. All you want to see is progress in this respect, and you want to see which players are actually worth keeping and which ones you should probably move on from. I mean, if you were to just judge it by this game, then you move on from Wiggins, but you know, can he put this behind him and can he be a player that becomes more consistent? I mean, that's the hope. There's a lot of naysayers out there, a lot of haters out there, and it's up to Wiggins to prove them wrong. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe the Warriors stink, and then we end up getting the first pick, and then we get Cade Cunningham, and then we get the Timberwolves pick. <laughs> uh, I I guess that wouldn't be so bad. Anyway, that's my gut reaction to this game tonight. It's early. There's no reason to burn it all down. You know, you get your data points, you get your samples, and you iterate, right? <laughs> you figure out what works best. And what worked was James Wiseman uh, showed he has a lot, a lot of potential. And the rest of the Warriors showed that they're still kind of in preseason mode. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the Oakland Warriors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to give me a shout on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. And also check us out at oaklandwarriors.com. And I will check you out later. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs. Go Dubs.